Hello and welcome. My name is Stephen Keach and this is the Modern Composer Podcast, a podcast for musicians, producers, and composers who are trying to make a stable living creating music for film, TV, and all kinds of media. One of the things that helped me get started in this industry is called micro-licensing. So micro-licensing is different from your traditional uh, sync licensing, where you're writing music to get placed on maybe a TV show. You're going to get much fewer licenses, but they're going to pay more. Micro-licensing is more broad, where you're making music for uh, YouTube and Instagram, TikTok, as well as, you know, lower budget commercials, uh, all the way up to, you know, Netflix or major TV placements. So it's just a more accessible licensing platform. Uh, There isn't one that's better than the other necessarily, but it's how I got started. And uh, for that reason, I wanted to talk to somebody who is killing it in the micro licensing world right now. His name is Cody Martin, and this dude is on all the platforms. He's had syncs on Disney+, Netflix, ESPN, and his presence on all those sites has also led to him having bigger custom jobs. He's worked for Epic Games doing custom music, Showtime, National Geographic, and way more. So this guy has a lot of practical advice in how he got into the licensing side of things and how that has kind of helped his career flourish as a composer. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Cody Martin. Cody, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, Welcome to the Modern Composer Podcast. Thanks, Uh, man. Yeah. I would love for you to just go through your background in music, how you got into licensing your music, how you got into producing music, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, again, man, thanks for having me on. This is great. Um, It's always a pleasure to to hang out and and communicate with you a little bit more and just talk music. This This is always great. Uh, but yeah, to give you a quick background of uh, who I am and what I do, um, very much like Steven, I do quite a bit of uh, composition for uh, licensing platforms, and uh, I've been doing this for probably a good six or seven years now, I believe. Uh, I started on Soundstripe, uh, which is my primary platform, or at least the platform where I uh, produce uh, the most amount of content slash uh, music for uh, for their website. And um, I've been there basically about a year since they started or they founded as a company. So it's been uh, quite a ride seeing how they've uh, uh, changed since then and uh, how, how things have been moving uh, in the industry alone. It's just been crazy. But um, but yeah, it's it's a really fun business. I mean, you, you you after a while you end up getting placements on you know cool places like you know Netflix and Showtime and National Geographic and Disney Plus and all that sort of stuff. And and the funny thing is, is that you very rarely have to do uh, the <laughs> the work after you submit that music you know to the platforms, and you just start to do research and you'll end up getting royalty reports, and then you can kind of see you know, what's kind of fallen in. But it took a good eight years, I think, since I started to kind of start seeing uh, that kind of come into fruition. And and, uh, and 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 since then, I've uh, I've uh, apart from licensing, I do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, scoring for uh, video games, film, television, that sort of thing. So um, it uh, has provided me a, a lot of work, just aside from the typical licensing stuff as well. So. 
Dude, okay, so that's awesome. Uh, so you kind of used, uh, you know, your licensing career to kind of jumpstart into uh, composing, like, for, like, custom work, right? Yeah, it was great. I really didn't expect it to work that way. Uh, but uh, it, it's... I, I, how do I put this? It is... It, it's one of those things to where, you know, word of mouth is a very powerful marketing tool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you if you start to kind of flourish on one platform, you know, let alone multiple, it starts to, you know, I mean, spread throughout, you know, uh, other people's conversation. And, and, and that's how I've gotten, honestly, the majority of work that I do outside of uh, licensing, which has been amazing. So... Hey, if you're a composer or a producer who's trying to get their music heard on television, films, and media, I have a resource for you. If you just have no idea where to start, go to themoderncomposer.com backslash four simple steps and download the free guide that I've made. It's four simple steps to get your music licensed. In this, I kind of lay out a process of how I go about submitting music and I kind of give you some tips and tricks and it kind of gives you an overview of everything you need to know before you get started. So head over to themoderncomposer.com backslash four simple steps and download the free guide now. Yeah. That's really something that um I never thought about when I first started doing this is like Oh yeah. It's and and I think, you know, production music kind of has a bad rap. Uh it's like I don't know. I think it it was or used to be considered kind of one of the lower tier versions, but you know, in mm-hmm. advancements with all these like micro licensing sites coming out, like the music has gotten so good and the bar has risen and risen. Um, right. And uh, there's so many filmmakers on those platforms that are, you know, they see the artists that are on those platforms and they uh, almost like it's how they know who they are, you know, and it's how yeah. they hear their music. And it becomes kind of a marketing thing for us composers getting out there in front of people who we want to hire us, you know? Um, so, all right. So can you, we were talking before, uh, we started this, uh, about the difference between traditional sync licensing and micro licensing. Uh, and I think we're more in the micro licensing space. Can you kind of explain the difference, uh, and, uh, you know, just, just where you're at and what micro licensing is? Yeah, well, I mean, in regards to a, the the work that a composer puts in, it's essentially done the same way with one really big, I mean, split in regards to what happens outside of the composing work and the your like. I mean, you can you can write your song, record it, mix it, master it, and get it all locked and loaded and ready to go. But it really comes down to how you distribute it to either you know a website or or wherever. You know, I mean, uh, you know, the micro licensing. Uh, biz is very uh, similar to Soundstripe or Artlist. You just, you know, you you write your music, you submit it. As long as it clears and it's good enough for them, they'll put it on their platform. And then whatever clientele they have will access it, use it for, uh, you know, their video productions, you, you know, YouTube videos, whatever it is. It could be advertisement, could be film, could be television, could be anything. Uh, could be a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in, 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 in that regard, like that's a pretty simple and more modern way, I guess, that people have been approaching in regards to just 
finding material that they can use for uh, finding the media or the material that they need for their project and being able to implement that into what they're creating. And so uh, the more traditional sync licensing uh, structure is a little bit more time consuming. And, uh, and it can be very worth it depending on uh, who you're connected with, uh, you know, who, who you have an in with. And, uh, but you're, ne- you're never guaranteed anyone to use it. You know, it really comes down to whether or not the client that, uh, that, that is, you know, looking for a specific type of work, you know, it, it depends on what they choose. They, you might be in, in competition with, you know, 15 or 20 other composers that are writing the exact same type of music that you are, um, that are submitting, you know, I mean, a, a similar, you know, style, instrumentation, arrangement, the whole shebang. Like, I mean, in most cases, the, the, the submissions that you end up putting toward, you know, a production company, uh, it, it can get really competitive really quick and you're never guaranteed to make money, you know, but when you do, you normally make a lot really quick. So uh, there's a buddy of mine who lives in California. His name's Alex Hitchens and he does a lot of uh, sync licensing work for Nike and, you know, a lot of big brand uh, sports companies. And he just, he and the NBA, like NBA even, he, I mean, he just kills it, you know, in that, in that area. But uh, but that's another thing that he, that he does is that he he writes a lot of music that never even makes it up, you know, on the platform. And if it does, it's normally way down the line when he knows that he's never going to be using it anymore. And um, and, and I've kind of told him a couple times like, oh, you, well, if you don't have any music, you know, that if you have if you have music just sitting around that's doing absolutely nothing, you should be you know finding a way to make money off of the stuff that you know whatever company didn't pick out because I know I'm, I'm sure there'd be other clients out there, other people that would want to actually use that. So yeah, uh, f- for me, uh, that's kind of how I work, even in terms of scoring for a film or for a game or show or whatever. Uh, whatever they don't like and they don't want in their show. I'll, in most cases, just repurpose that and move it to, you know, I mean, a platform like Artlist or Soundstripe or, you know, I mean, some other some other uh, area of, uh, of micro licensing that gives me an opportunity to still make money off of the time that I put into the work from the yeah. get go, if that makes any sense. Totally. So. I just got my my biggest placement probably uh, from a queue for a documentary that got rejected. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was, you know, I loved the piece and I kind of reworked it because uh, you kind of have to rework things uh, in the structure for micro licensing. Like, you know, not everything is going to be appealing for micro licensing, but yeah. I reworked it a little bit and uh, put it up on Soundstripe and it ended up in, you know, a feature film that you know, is, was killing it at the box office. So dude, that's so um, great. I don't even think I've heard of this. Like what, what, what film was this? Out of yeah. Curiosity? It was a uh, Jesus revolution. Um, Get out of here. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And it, it ended up being used twice and they used two of my songs and one of them they used twice. And that was wow. the one that was a rejected cue. So like, oh, you man. never know where your <laughs> music is going to end up. You just kind of have dude. to, you, you got to, put it somewhere, you know? And so like one of the biggest differences I think, uh, between sync licensing and micro licensing would be sync licensing. You're going to sell fewer licenses. Uh, you're going to land fewer placements, but the ones that you land are going to be bigger most likely. And you're going to get bigger residuals, uh, uh, from those placements. Uh, and then micro licensing is kind of um, making your music available to anyone who needs music for their media. So like right. 
uh, like you said, podcasts, wedding videos, um, you know, commercials, sometimes movies, you know, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of these, uh, you know, production houses are using the micro licensing libraries as temp tracks because yeah. that makes it easier. And then sometimes they stay, which is exactly what happened in my case. Like they tempt the scene with my song and uh, they liked it enough to where it stayed in the film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, uh, there's definitely two different ways you can kind of go about it. And uh, it's really up to you how you want to do that. Um, but one thing right. that I wanted to talk about. So, like, uh, last year I was just going through just, like, refreshing my memory of all the micro licensing sites that I could find. And you were at, in, like, the top tracks in every single one of them. <laughs> or like so many of them. Like there were, very, I, I feel like it was easier to count the ones that you weren't on. Um, and I would love to talk about it. You said um, you uh, you got your start uh, at Soundstripe um, and started doing that there. Uh, when did you start submitting to other libraries? What was that process like? Did you get many no's? Uh, what, what was oh, that process yeah. like? Oh uh, yeah. It's, you know, it, it honestly, like, I mean, the best the best thing that I can tell anybody who wants to kind of get into this sort of work is that, you know, be, be willing and able to, you know, apply and get rejected multiple times before finally mm-hmm. getting it in because, you know, I mean, it's really, it really is a gamble every single time because, you know, certain, like, wh- whatever time of year you apply, they might be looking for something completely different and you just never really know, you know, you might be sending really, really great music, but they just might not have a need for it in their catalog. And so even though your stuff might still be, you know, good enough to kind of hit, you know, the threshold of quality that they need, they just might not need that type of music right off the bat. So what I ended up doing was um, at the at the time I was just working with with Soundstripe and wasn't doing any uh, doing any other work, but I wanted to start getting into other platforms. I'm not even telling you, I'm telling you, dude, I've been trying to get into Musicbed for five <laughs> years now. And, oh, and, and it's I think funny everybody because, has. <laughs> and it's and it's funny. Like I mean, everybody, like they've they've essentially closed off their catalog unless they reach out to you personally and say, "Hey, really, we really want some of this music as a part of our catalog." That's really the only way you're getting in at this point. Yeah. And so um, they've they've really narrowed. They've built up their walls, man. Like it's it's nuts. And it, but yeah. it, it it's smart from a business standpoint. It's really really smart because you're you're not you're not getting an overwhelming amount of artists that are going to lose more and more money down the road because there are literally 15,000 artists or whatever on the on the website and those are the web like those are the licensing platforms I would typically recommend people to stay away from because it's very rare where you're going to be making any money off of platforms that have that many artists on them. Yeah. You want to be shooting for ones that are fresh, that are updated, and, you know, that that have a much smaller catalog of just really good artists. Um those are the ones you're going to be shooting for. Um, but again, it, it took me with Artlist. I think I applied three or four times before I finally, uh, you know, or I submitted three or four times different yeah. uh, different submissions of music, different styles, and that sort of thing. And and finally, they 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 bit on. They took the bait, and I I ended up you know uh, starting starting that off as well. But I mean, even now, like Soundstripe is probably still my favorite, and still is in 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 most. And, and I guess, in my opinion, considered the most 
be a well-off platform to be on. Uh, Artlist would be a close second, but uh, but they, they they as a company have also made a lot of changes, and it's just been harder to be as uh, efficient with you know uh, with, with the with the work that you're creating and with the with the music. And so finding platforms more more along the lines closer to Soundstripe would be great. Musicvine is also a really great platform to be on, um, but. Um, those those three were really my 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 top three, and everywhere cool. else that I that I did submit material to, um, uh, either was a full buyout scenario, uh, or it was just kind of a temporary sort of thing. And and you'll have to you know in most cases uh, you you might get a deal like that as well. And uh, if you do get a deal like that, and they just want you on temporarily, the best thing I can say is write as well as you possibly can create mm-hmm. something amazing that's going to make them remember oh you know what this guy's so good we might actually want him on here permanently you know yeah and uh but but again you know i mean if it's not if they're not paying you what your music's worth then be careful on how much you decide to give to them if that makes any sense so yeah totally you just talked about how you want to make the best music so that you stand out on the platform uh, this industry is gotten since you know we came into it it's gotten completely oversaturated there are so many artists the quality has gotten crazy good like when i remember when uh i started at soundstripe you know years and years ago it was like like i mean it was like yeah you don't you really don't have to make it sound good it just you just kind of put something out it's just (laughs) you just put it out it's fine (laughs) like right uh (laughs) and just slowly the like it just got better and better and better. And, uh, when I went on staff, it was like, like, oh wow. Yeah. We're like, we're making like actual music. This is like, this is not like, uh, you know, you're just throwing together a track and putting it out there. You have to really be (laughs) intentional with what you're doing or else you're not going to stand out. Um, so what are some of the things that you do to stand out on platforms? Like what are the, do you use certain structures or do you go and do your research? Uh, what are some things that you do? Well, man, this is either going to, this is either going to kill, kill my reputation or, or somehow inspire people. So I'm, I'm hoping, (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping, I'm I'm hoping the latter, but. uh, Well, I think we can say right now that there's, there's artistic songwriting, right? There is like where you're putting your, your all and your passion into it. And then there's writing for stuff like this. Like it's a, it's a totally different art form. Essentially. It really is. Yeah. Uh, where you're trying to guess what someone else needs as opposed to writing everything from your heart necessarily. You know, it's right. you're, you're guessing what people Yeah, it, it really is very different. I mean, uh, composing music for uh, for licensing in general is is in most cases so much more different than scoring to film or television mm-hmm. it, it it and it mainly has to do with like what you were saying it has it has mainly to do with where you're putting that emotion and that vision and how you want to like root things together with what you're visually seeing and with licensing you're just you're just writing based off of 
like a feeling or a, 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 a few phrases, you know, that you're given. Yeah. Like, oh, we want something atmospheric and uplifting that's in the oh. cinematic era. I'm like, okay, great. That gives me a lot of space. Like, yeah. That gives me a lot of space to work around. And you can do whatever you want. Like, you can, you know, you, you, can, you can start really basic. You can keep it very basic. You can go super, super complicated and, you know, create a grand arrangement that makes you feel like you're, you know, sitting in, you know, Erlinger Studios. So <laughs> yep. when, you're, uh, when, you're, when you're in, you know, when you're in a position to where you have a lot of control over the type of music that you create, um, in the licensing era, like in the licensing, I guess game, it's 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 very easy to create material without running into a wall, you know. Mm, yeah. um, but again, um, I guess, man, like the the whole. The, the whole world is different when you're when when you're when you're in you know film score. It's just it it, it takes a lot more time. You have to really mm -hmm. think about what you're doing. Uh, there are so many more steps you know that you have to be uh, openly active and, and 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 attentive toward while you're while you're working. You know, I mean, with with a film or with a show, and with 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 licensing, it's just so much more simple. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, are, like, so what are some of your strategies for, um, standing out on a platform or like before you submit, are you yeah. doing research or like how, yeah. what is driving your artistic choices? Um, I do it very unorthodox. I don't consider myself the best mixing engineer in the world. I normally let Soundstripe take care of the majority of that, even though I do my best to make improvements, obviously over time, um, still have a lot to learn. The biggest thing that I've, I guess, focused on while in working on licensing material is figuring out, all right, you know, I need to write something for clientele that, you know, will at least uh, communicate, you know, three different levels of energy. And mm. I want to be able to separate those into portions that can easily be blended together with. And as long as I can build a world, you know, fit within, you know, this, this parameter of that, that I'm given in regards to style or, or, you know, genre or arrangement or whatever, I can at least create something that people will be able to use very easily. It will fit in the background. It's not going to be super distracting. You know, it's just going to be something that's going to glue together with what's going on visually with whoever's, yeah. you know, behind it all. So a lot of times what I will do is I will think, from a more cinematic, you know, or orchestral, like, you know, Hollywood cinema sort of, I mean, platform. So, um, you know, I mean, I use really big, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Thomas Newman, Harry Gregson Williams and, and Hans Zimmer fan. So mm -hmm. a lot of those, uh, a lot of those artists um, or composers for me are really uh, big uh, uh, points of motivation, at least for me in regards to figuring out what type of feeling I'm looking for um, yeah. and one, what kind of style. And so I'll, I'll do my best to replicate, you know, environments that would sound great in movies that those, you know, composers have scored for. And that's what I want to do is essentially just create something that not necessarily everybody, no one's really going to notice right off of the bat. Mm -hmm. It's just like you don't want to gain fans you know, that just listen to your music. As a composer, that's not what you want to do. You want to, yeah. you, you, the fans that you want are the producers and the directors and, you know, the creatives and the people that are actually, you know, putting together 
all of the content that everybody else watches on a regular basis. You right. know, and that's that's kind of the 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 shift, I guess, the mental shift that you have to make when you're working in the licensing world is, you know, you, you don't want it it doesn't have to be this big fat thick beat that everybody just, you know, thinks, Oh man, that just sounds so dope. And they're like, Great, what are you gonna use it for? You know, right. like Yeah, I mean, I mean I, there's like a m- mental shift where you're like, Okay, right. instead of because there's a huge difference between uh, making music for an, a general audience like Spotify, right. whatever, uh, the like consumer, and making music for editor. Because ultimately, you need something that an editor is going to drop in and be like, this is perfect. Right. Like, yeah. oh, I can move this around. I can loop this section. Uh, oh, I need a big rise here. Let me, oh, I'll pull this section over here. Cool. Because they're going to chop up your song and you want to make it as easy as possible. Right. For them to do that. And um, yeah, I think that there's like a big, uh, yeah, mis- misconception, I guess. Yeah. Something that I had to learn uh, early on, which was like, why isn't like this song sounds so cool? And there's this whole thing of like, oh, this song sounds like it totally could be in a movie. And it's like, sure, that's that could be true. Right. But if you aren't putting all the pieces, in that song in order for the editor for the movie to actually use it, then mm-hmm. it's not going to end up in a movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, uh, here's something. So like, what do you think about, uh, when you, when you're writing a track, uh, are you throwing in a bridge that's uh, kind of left field or are you, uh, sticking with the same idea the whole time or, how do you determine what parts are going to go into your track? I'd say about 90% of the time I don't throw anything into the compositions that's too, you know, uh, too far out of left field like like or, or whatever whatever phrase it was that you used. I really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen um, back cuz I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean in 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 most scenarios I will keep everything uh, pretty close together in regards to arrangement, and the only thing that I want to change in in most in most circumstances is the energy at which certain things are happening. So a lot of that will have to do with. Sorry, I'm breaking into a, a, a lot more technical terms here, but you yeah, know, no, I, I really I really focus on my expression and my velocity of my mm-hmm. tracks, especially when you're working with MIDI instruments. Yeah. Um, that, that is a huge, you know, that, that, that plays a huge part in not only creating a lot of dynamic difference between, you know, your different portions of a track, uh, but it, it just, it makes it way easier to, um, you know, convey whatever level of energy that you want. And, yeah. um, especially if you're an orchestral, you know, composer and you do a lot of what I do, which is, you know, you really mess around with strings and brass and woodwinds and stuff a lot. Um, you know, all of the most, most, I should say most high quality, uh, sample libraries for strings and orchestral instruments typically have a very wide range of dynamic. And if you're not utilizing the expression and a velocity of the notes that's actually programmed into that, uh, into that sound bank, then, then you're in, in most cases, not going to, you know, get as much out of what, what it is that you're trying to write. Right. And a lot of that comes that a lot of that comes through just practice and experience and, you know, I mean, getting, you know, getting familiar with, you know, those, you know, sounds and those instruments and that sort of thing. But um, uh, but in most cases, I would say 90 percent of the time you're 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 better off. You're better off staying in a closer uh, in a closer area, at least for licensing music, because, you know, people know exactly 
what the track is, where it's going, and especially uh, if stems are available and a, and a director can get a hold of stems, like they even have more control and the, yeah. they're even more they're even more likely to 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 hop on it for a particular area. Like I've had I've had so many uh, pieces of my music just get synced for you know documentaries and stuff because it's just music that just sits really well underneath people talking, you know, yeah. and having a conversation about something. And it it's something that no one really ever thinks about when they're watching the show, you know. No, yeah. you know, no you know, no viewer is going to really be thinking about the music too much. They're just gonna be thinking about the feeling that the that the music and the uh and the person speaking or or, or the dialogue or whatever the dialogue is, you know, saying or whatever. Like it all of that is glued together as a whole. And mm -hmm. that's your job is just to make sure you're creating music that can very easily glue itself to whatever's going on on screen. One so. thing that I've always kind of tried to keep in mind when I'm writing for background music is uh, your dialogue is your lead vocal. So right. like when you're writing uh, when you're writing a song maybe for someone to top line or sing on, uh, you you know you don't want to like write a bunch of stuff that's gonna sit right in the middle or right in that vocal range. Um, and you right. don't want to write a melody that's going to, you know, contradict the vocal. Uh, and it's the same way when you're writing background music, you want to leave room, uh, you want to, you know, you want to have that like mid range 2k area kind of empty feeling because there's going to be dialogue right in the middle right. of that. Yeah. Um, and you're supporting that, right? So, yeah. I mean, even in film, it's amazing what, you know, just a very simple, you know, what, what a very simple arrangement of two instruments can do to a scene oh, yeah. when there's something going on, you know, and you don't need much. You just need, mm -hmm. you just need whatever you have to implement what's going on. And so, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's more, it makes more sense to keep things simple than to overcomplicate things as well. Like, I, especially for orchestral composers, like the big mistake that I see a lot of orchestral composers make for licensing, at least, is that they try to make it way, way too complicated. And yeah. what it really needs to do is just stay, stay simplified enough to where it's very easy to use and it just, it, it settles in the background. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, there's, I mean, there's, there are pros and cons to doing that. You know, I mean, when, if you're releasing this music on, you know, iTunes or, or, or Spotify, which Soundstripe does for everyone's music, you know, yeah. whatever you're, there are, there are tracks where you're just kind of like, you know, like this song's meant to be, you know, you know, background stuff. It's not even supposed to be recognized. This this doesn't really sound all that great by itself, you know. But right. I but I know, but I know that it, it will sell well and it will do well because, you know, clients will use it well, like will use it and find the perfect place for it, you know, you know, behind the scenes, so to speak. And it's just it's it's going to just help glue together the project. But and then uh, you when have, you listen I mean, to you it by itself. Have... You have some of that stuff end up on like study playlists and stuff too. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's simple enough to study to. So yeah, uh, it's not I distracting. Mean, yeah, it's not distracting. So I mean, that's just another uh, way that we kind of have to make money. You know, <laughs> like just <laughs> like you know, make sure you're playing the whole picture. Uh, which right. is why Soundstripe does that, puts the entire catalog on Spotify. Although it is. Yeah, it can be frustrating sometimes because sometimes I'm like, yeah. yeah, I didn't really want anybody to hear that <laughs> except for whoever needed it for their commercial. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, all right, just to kind of wrap up here, um, what advice do you have for anyone who's trying to get into micro-licensing libraries right now? Uh, you know, how can they stand out? How, uh, 
you know, what advice do you have? Um, well, it's funny. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna familiar. I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna bring back something that I heard uh, uh, our friend uh, Micah, the CEO of uh, Soundstripe, uh, say not too long ago. I was listening to your um, uh, uh, beautiful failures podcast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, I, I just a couple days ago listened to the episode that you had uh, Micah on, and he gave out very similar advice. And so I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what he said because what he said really it can't couldn't be more true. Uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to composers really wanting to get uh, more involved in micro licensing and getting just into the industry, you need to be willing to do this, even if it means you're never going to make any money doing it. And mm-hmm. and it needs to be something that you enjoy because it's it's a part of who you are. Yeah. Um, this is something that does not, you know, just magically unfold for you overnight. You know this. This this sort of industry or making a making a full time living doing this you know took me almost eight years, yeah. And uh, and and people have to understand that it's 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 like anything else. It's like going to college. You know, I mean, you can go to college and get a degree, but if you're not you know actively you know and consistently pursuing whatever craft that you're pursuing, that degree is not going to mean a, a damn thing, <laughs> right? And so yeah. uh, I, I mean, but I mean, for me it took it for me it took eight years. And I put a lot of time and effort into it. Uh, for some people, depending on what type of music they want to pursue, what music they're into, that could that could vary. Like I, it could be sooner, it could be later. But uh, they need to be willing to to put the time and effort in into just learning the learning the craft, getting ahead of what uh, where where you think technology is going. Uh, mm. Honestly, that was half of the reason why I'm actually making a living doing it because I wanted to build a studio uh, and a I, I guess a, a a, a a different unorthodox way of composing for film and at the time it wasn't all that popular but I knew that it was I, I just could tell where the technology was going and mm. what was going to happen so if you can you know really embrace uh what's happening currently and where you think music is going to be going, you're going to have a upper hand in, you know, getting into that industry and figuring out how you can make money and pay your bills with it. Yeah, totally. That, I mean, that's, that's really great advice. Yeah. You're, you're not going to submit one album to a licensing company and be set for life. Like this right. is something <laughs> you grow on and it's a, it's really an investment. You're, you're investing. Yeah. Uh, your time, your energy, and your music into essentially a catalog that will pay out over time. And, yeah, and it um, does. Oh, believe me, it does. Like once sure. you're once you're eight years in, you're going to be you know you're 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 going to be excitedly waiting you know for your quarterly check to arrive in royalties because the more the more you do it, the more often it it shows like you you get involved and you really make an effort to. Uh, make placements and find clientele that wants to regularly use your music, it will make a huge difference. And, and at that point, you'll, you'll feel like you've made it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just constantly staying persistent and yes. investing in yourself, in your music career, and um, eventually it will start to pay out. Yeah. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, Absolutely, your buddy. insight is invaluable and I really appreciate it. Not a problem, man. 